Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Uh, you're listening to Chronically Chilled on 3CR. My name is Mario. Um, I just want to acknowledge the people of the Kulin Nation whose land we broadcast from. Um, so on today's show, you'll be hearing a conversation I had with Millie Bayless. So Millie is a writer living in Melbourne on Wurundjeri land. Um, she studies professional writing and editing and is developing memoir, essays and short stories. Um, she's currently a Willis and a Hot Desk Fellow. And her work recently appeared in Kill Your Darlings and Overland Online. She was also the managing editor of the journal Visible Inc. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Millie. Um, it was a great conversation and I hope you enjoy it too. Okay, Millie, thank you so much. <laughs> We're finally here. <laughs> We're finally here. We made it. Um, this has taken since I think June that I tried to contact you initially um, to come on. And um, for whatever reason, there's lots of different stuff, but um, we've had to put it off and put it off. So thank you for persisting. Thank you. Yeah. Um, nice to be here. When I, um, when I did contact you, you had just written this really beautiful article um, in Kill Your Darlings. It's called How to Rest, Chronic Illness and Finding Joy in Small Days. Um, and that, I contacted you because I wanted to have a really chat about kind of that article. Yeah. Um, it came at just the right time for me <laughs> as well. Um, so I think we can still do that yeah, and definitely. maybe talk about some of the themes and all that kind of stuff yeah. that come from it. So what do you mean by small days? Cause that's a term that's new to me. That's cool. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'd read it anywhere else. I don't know if I've made it up or, um, <laughs> I think by small days I'm thinking about, I, I was, I was writing that piece during a period of time that I was extremely sick. I had been bedridden for most of a year, most of the year. Um, and was leaving the house very rarely and so spent a lot of time just in bed, in pain, um, not really able to speak or do do, do a lot of things. Um, And so I was trying to work out how to make some sort of use of that that time or, you know, not fall into depression during the times of Mm. just being really unwell. So I, I, I was thinking of these small days as days where um, I maybe only have one or two max hours of like ability of being able to do things. Yeah. So my days are like literally a lot smaller. Right. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you were, so it's kind of, I think people assume that a day equals a day for mm-hmm, us mm-hmm. and you're kind of saying, well, it's actually no, not. No. So there's 24 mm-hmm. hours, but in terms of us being able to function, it's actually much smaller than that. Is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think in the piece I say something like, you know, we, we say we all have the same amount of hours in the day, you know, but that's just not true when a lot of the time I'm in such a fog that I don't actually feel like that is, mm. yeah, yeah, part of my day. Can I ask you what your um, chronic illness is? Yeah, of course. So... 
Um, I've been diagnosed with about a billion different things throughout oh my life. <laughs> um, but we've set, we've now settled, uh, or my cardiologist has now settled on um, POTS. So it's an autonomic nervous system disorder that affects the heart and blood rate and um, causes orthostatic intolerance. So I have a lot of trouble with being upright and fatigue and things like that. Um, and then secondary or similar conditions are CFS and fibro and... Yeah. Yeah. How long did that take to all <laughs> work out finally? And um, I, so I, I only got diagnosed in the past five years. Um, I've been having symptoms of POTS since I was about eight years old mm. um, and was in and out of doctors and hospitals um, with the same symptoms I have now. But yeah. So um, I'm also just thinking about myself who have mm. kind of had different teams and different mm-hmm. focuses and stuff. And everybody looks through, looks at you through their own lens. Yeah. And it's sometimes really contradictory. Have you found that in oh, terms yeah. of doctors? Oh, yeah. They all think, oh, you're, you're this, you're this. And they're almost like, yeah, you fit all this, so you'll be this thing. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like you know better a lot of the time. You're like, I've already read about this and done this. And yeah. Yeah, I think I sort of came to my doctor and was like, I think I have this. And mm. they said, I don't know what that is. Um, but it was really it was really nice with POTS. It was, it's one of the first or the only chronic illness um, where they could actually see something on a chart in order to diagnose, oh. <laughs> in diagnose me. And so that was like a real thrill of them being able to, you know, um, I had a halter monitor on for 48 hours and then being able to point to this graph and go, your heart is <laughs> not doing what it's oh, meant to okay, do. Yeah was um such a relief yeah <laughs> you know that classic story i think a lot of chronically ill people go with yes yes here's proof finally yeah yeah, yeah. now don't change it <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> no, let's just stick with this for let's a just bit stick with this yeah yeah um so how does what does it it's a really hard question because we f- i think we fluctuate and all that kind of stuff but what do days look like for you yeah um it's so different Mm. each day and each week I guess um but when I'm it's sort of it's sort of every single morning I wake up and have to sort of check in with my body and go what's it going to be like today um but yeah so going testing my pain levels and um yeah getting up doing what I can at the moment I'm studying part-time working casually um which are things that I just wouldn't have been able to do mm. a few years ago. So I'm more well at the moment, so I'm doing a few more things. Um, but, yeah, it really varies from days where I'm just in bed, barely able to go to the bathroom, to days where I'm out and about, literally going for runs, um, yeah, right. going to parties, you know, all of the things. Yeah. So. Um, I was supposed to ask you this as a first question and totally forgot. Um, <laughs> what are you up to these days? Because I, I kind of see on social media you're yeah. up to some really interesting stuff. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing some more writing things, which has been really nice this year. That was – it's all I've wanted to do really for the past 10 years but haven't been able to for a lot of different reasons. Mm. Um, and I sort of have been well enough to go for a lot of more opportunities than I would have been able to previously – um, so I was just the managing editor of the journal Visible Inc, which has been, um, going for 30 years and that was really stressful and fun, um, to put that together. And I've been writing a few different pieces and slowly, slowly working towards a longer project that's mm. still a bit too early to 
to, to know what to call it. <laughs> but um, yeah, working on a few little creative things. Mm, cool. Um, your writing also challenges the way that, um, you know, the societal values of, you know, productivity and mm. we need to always be busy and all that kind of stuff. Um, how have you noticed that it causes harm to people with chronic illness? Um, how doesn't it? Um, I mean, I think I think it causes harm to everyone, mm. but I think it causes harm to people with chronic illness in a very specific way that isn't talked about as much. Um, so I think our entire the way our entire society is structured is to it, it sort of implies that the perfect body is the well body because the well body is working the most and contributing the most and producing mm. the most. Um, and I think a lot of people build their sense of identity and sense of what, um, worth on what they're doing and um, when you're chronically ill and maybe can't do a lot of that, it's really damaging to, I think, our mental health and our sense of self and, yeah, way we feel about ourselves is probably the biggest thing that made me mm. well that's what I was experiencing anyway and why I wanted to talk about that yeah. and go this sucks can we <laughs> maybe think about something else how, how can we deconstruct this yeah um it, it was so powerful for me because um I've got congenital stuff mm-hmm. and I could have really done with these articles when I mm. was kind of younger because there was nothing like that and you were kind of just told you need to push through and yeah. you need to do what you need to do and yeah. be positive and, you know, all these messages and stuff. And then you kind of find yourself either pushing too hard and then becoming unwell or you're not doing anything, but then there's also kind of a shame around that. Mm. You know, why aren't you doing more? Mm-hmm. Do you know? Yep. <laughs> it really came through for me. Oh, I'm glad. And I'm wondering, like, how, how did you get to where you are now in terms of mm. thinking about it like that? Was it a process or was it something that came kind of naturally? I feel like I just had a brain, but I'm like, I want to hear hear everything you just said. I was like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. I think think through reading a a lot of the work of other other chronically ill writers definitely Mm. has helped me in my thinking and work around this. I'm definitely not the first person to say a lot of the things that I said. Um, So I think, yeah, just reading and listening to a lot of voices from people in like the chronically ill and disability communities, which I think is gaining more traction in terms of visibility around at the moment, which is really, really cool. Um, But I'm still working. It's not like I'm now just full of acceptance all the time Mm. and I'm like, I'm fine doing nothing. I'm obviously – and even that, like I'm not – that wasn't the goal. I I still want to make things. I just don't want to think that that is – I'm only valuable when I'm – working yeah yeah yeah. um but yeah it's an ongoing every day I think yeah (laughs) Yeah. totally it is um and I I find like there's another bind which is like what's good what's good for our bodies isn't always Mm. good for other parts of our lives so for example I'm not working at the moment because I can't work Mm. and I know that's really good for my body Mm. but it's not good for finances (laughs) it's not good for other things in life that you have to get through yeah and these are things that are driven by that productivity kind of yeah yeah and uh, that's underneath all of this right like it would be so nice to just sit here and go 
you know, I just decided that I'm actually fine with doing nothing. and I'm just yeah. going to walk around <laughs> smelling flowers and it's really nice. But it's like, obviously we need to survive and nothing is built to function that way. Um, and so that's really hard. Yeah. When you're like, I need to do what's good for my body, but I also need to make a living. And that's obviously some people are able to um, cope with that better than others. And I'm very lucky to... Um, be able to access different sources of support in order to still live but yeah it's really tricky it's really tricky to stop fighting that idea of getting I, I think um when when I started actually becoming better whatever that means with myself was when I stopped trying to to cure myself as well I think there's this big idea that um you have to you're not where you know you have to cure yourself and then you can start living mm-hmm. and I think that was another big part of like how do I still do all my different aspects of life while knowing that this is chronic yeah and then I'm still ill and and f- stopping that fight as well I thought was giving up at the time mm. and now I'm like no it's it was actually one of the kindest things for myself yes and it's it's this really ridiculous belief that everything can be cured as well yeah. <laughs> just yeah, cure yourself and you'll be fine and you can go and you know yeah. do whatever travel the world and haven't you stuff. tried thinking positive yeah oh gosh <laughs> um so there's all these different kind of beliefs that get kind of tied into all this stuff you know mm-hmm. around productivity and you know being being your best self or mm-hmm. there's all these kind mm-hmm. of now sayings that kind of go along with all that yeah yeah. Oh, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, yeah, we're going to get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saving the anger till later. <laughs> um, so I've kind of got a theory that whether people are conscious about it or not, um, I reckon those that have a chronic illness or a disability um, perform these little acts of resistance every day mm-hmm. um, that kind of counter that narrative of what we've been talking about around you know, being productive and being busy and all that stuff. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you what some of yours were. What are some of my little acts of resistance? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think, oh, it sort of sounds a bit sentimental, but, <laughs> but, but, being, but being kind to myself in, um, in the way that I speak to myself because I think a, a lot of what we learn tells us to think illness is the worst thing in the world Mm. um, and to really not like yourself when you're ill. And so on the days when I can't leave bed or my hands can't, you know, open the bottle of milk or whatever, just just being like, hey, mate, you're you're doing all right. Let's let's go lie down and watch the OC. Um, That's what I do when I feel sad and ill. And to me, I'm like, (laughs) it's not fair. You know, I I actually... um, think a lot about I think like what am I doing there's so much in the world that is wrong Mm -hmm. and and when I'm the most ill one of the things I feel most um disappointed in myself about is not being able to show up yeah I go the other way like I just (laughs) totally don't care (laughs) 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 maybe that's the better approach maybe that's an act of resistance it it doesn't last very long but yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know just just that yeah I think Looking after myself is good, but I also really want to be able to look after other people, and that's mm. something that I've always um, valued <laughs> in in myself and in the world. Um, but yes, on those days, I think it's it, there is something radical about just going 
you know what, this feels nice right now, doing something, even something very small that feels pleasurable and enjoying that and not feeling guilty about it. My my big thing is um, to not do obligation Mm -hmm. because I used to just always feel like I had to do Mm -hmm. obligation and not say no and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's one one of my things that I'm still kind of working on. I can't say I'm still good at it, but I'm trying, yeah. That's great. I think I went the complete opposite way and just said no all the time (laughs) (laughs) because I was so anxious about being sick that I've actually this year been trying to say yes more and that's been, yeah, but um, saying no is definitely a huge Yeah, and I don't think people understand that like when you're kind of feeling really unsafe in your body, going out is like, it's scary sometimes. Absolutely. You don't know what's going to happen. I might collapse and be stranded at a supermarket or a party, you know, yeah, literally. Yeah. No, that's yeah. it. I'm finding yeah. that at the moment where I'm yeah. just like, oh, gosh, I, I don't feel kind of safe sometimes yeah. going out, you know. That sucks. Yeah. But that's the things that people don't see that are yeah. under kind of the surface of yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, let's, let's talk about the whole wellness crap. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So... Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned in your article kind of these ideas or trends of like slow living and embracing mm-hmm. doing nothing on the call. You know, there's lots of stuff around mm-hmm. self-care now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's almost like at its worst, it's almost like this really performative thing for social justice on yeah. social media. Yeah, yeah. Not social justice. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's an argument to be made there too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, really annoying and it just keeps growing. And it's everywhere, just this idea, I think, that you can, whatever's wrong with you, you can cure yourself somehow or achieve this, like, ideal of the ultimate wellness, which normally looks like, I mean, similar to me, probably a skinny white woman um, with a really nice Instagram filter, drinking an expensive juice and activated charcoal, something or other. (laughs) Um, None of those things will cure me. Um, I wish that they would. That would be really nice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I think it's dangerous for, for, again, for everyone, especially for chronically ill people, but for any healthy, able-bodied people as well. Like mm-hmm. this, um, it's all just making us spend a lot of money and it's yeah. all about us, us you know, um, looking after the self. And I don't know, I feel like it's a distraction from everything else going on in the world. But it, yeah, I'm such a cynic with it, like, I kind of look at it and go, you've got the privilege of actually having both. Yeah. Like you can afford to do nothing, but you can also then yeah. do the whole productivity thing mm. and, you know, take part in all that kind of stuff. So they yeah. can kind of have the both. And I think for people with chronic illness or disability or, you yeah. know, that stuff, I don't like it's kind of real for us in terms of yeah. this is actually we need to do this to survive. It's yeah. not just absolutely to turn up to work the next day or all that kind of stuff well that's another thing i guess that's it there's like a few different strands of wellness in this idea and the way people talk about it but that is something that's i think still quite new that um you could simply choose to slow down and yeah and rest and it's rest is sort of seen as this revolutionary thing to a lot of people i think that's what that's what made me start that's what i first wrote it i think because my year of rest and relaxation had just come out that book by otessa moshfer i think i'm pronouncing that right um and a lot of people on the internet so i don't know if you know the book but it's about this very like rich privileged woman in new york who decides to basically take a lot of drugs to um sleep for a year and it's meant to be a bit dark and twisted and everyone was making jokes about how much they would love to do nothing but just like lie in bed on painkillers 
um, sleep for a year and how that was the ultimate ideal and how lucky we would be and how what a privilege to be able to do that. And um, even though they were jokes, I just I, I couldn't stop thinking about how similar mm-hmm. that my my year had been to that. Um, and not because I wanted that or because it was this luxurious, lovely yeah. thing. Um, not that it's portrayed that way in the book, but how my fatigue and everything meant that I literally couldn't sit up and couldn't do a lot of the things I wanted to do and how that wasn't restful. It was really painful and really isolating. Mm. And so, yeah, I think there is a lot of privilege and a lot of ignorance when people talk about, oh, how nice that must be. Yeah. You know, as if they think, oh, I, w- I could get so much reading done or I could get so much. Yeah, if you're doing, right. And it's like, you don't understand. <laughs> I, I wish. Don't, I don't want to read. I'm feeling crushed. No, I literally can't. <laughs> Words turn into mush. Like, yeah. my brain does not. No. I, I really try. And, like, even if it's, like, the newspaper stuff and I'm, like, I'm looking at it mm. and I'm trying and it's just not computing like it's yeah. and then I try and read it three times and I'm just like oh, what am I doing just yeah like it's not happening yep. <laughs> <Today>. yep. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um, not gonna happen can I just also ask a question just around like um because it sounds like this has been going on for a while for mm. you like this chronic illness what was the response of people around you around it mm. um well for so long I didn't know what was going on so I think I think getting the diagnosis and having a language has been really helpful Mm. um I've been really really lucky that I have quite amazing progressive friends who you know um when when I first got diagnosed I I made this like really long probably way too long document like in my own little info document that I sent to like my best friend and my partner at the time and my mum and my sibling and was like here you go, go read, because I didn't want to keep talking about yeah, it. Right. Um, and they did, they all read it, and um, it was really helpful. And they've been good, you know, I think that still sometimes people forget mm. all the time. Um, but for the most part, I've been really fortunate with how people have responded to me and how people know that it's okay, it's not personal if I have to cancel a plan or mm. if I can't show up or... You know, I, I'm good at just making a joke when I'm like, I'm we're in the pub and I need to just lie down on the floor right now, you know, <laughs> and can we just not, please don't call an ambulance, just chill out. Like just this is, yeah. yeah. Um, the whole invisible illness mm. thing as well. Um, I know you've, you wrote an article in the Overland Journal around mm. kind of public transport and stuff. Why is that so hard? <laughs> I... There's been so many articles about <laughs> no, public I could transport. Say more. There's like there's hundreds, hundreds of articles yeah. about public transport. Yeah. If you read social media every day, yeah. people are saying stuff about public transport. Like why? I don't understand. People doing. I know. Well, I just, I think it comes down to people just cannot understand that disability could look different to what they think it, you know, I think that's the main thing is even though we keep telling people disability can and does literally look like anything, um, there's still this idea that, but maybe this person's faking, maybe this person isn't that, it's just really hard. More scarily, like I'm even hearing stuff around people who have a visible disability. Mm, Actually, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I just, I was talking to to my mum about it and, um, we're Croatian. Yeah. Um, 
and Croatia's got, Croatia's got so many issues, but um, they do that really well. And my mum's yeah. like, you would never see someone like who has a disability on a train right. and people sitting in the seats there. Like, people would turn on them. Yeah. They would tell them, like, you need to get up and move. Good. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot to learn. Yeah. I, I don't – yeah, I was I was working an event the other night because um, I work at the Wheeler Centre and it's wonderful. And, again, the audiences there are very – and I don't want to call anyone out, but um, the same thing happened. I was, I was trying to seat a bunch of people who had mobility aids yeah. and very obviously needed seats and just, like, huge – groups of people wouldn't move and I had to go up to them and they huffed and puffed about mm. it and I just it's, it's, I don't I, I think it's a lack of just people don't care that's what I'm getting to yeah people don't they just don't care yeah and that's just so disheartening yeah anyway um so we're coming to the end um that's gone really quickly <laughs> yeah. um I just wanted to give you an opportunity to just let people know where we can find your work. Sure. Um, probably on Twitter is where I'm very active and always posting about what I'm doing. So I'm just Millie Bayless on Twitter. Yeah. And tell people where they can find your articles or Yeah, yeah. Um, so my most recent ones are, yes, the ones that you mentioned in Kill Your Darlings and Overland, and I also have a new piece coming out very soon in Writers Victoria. Great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Mario. Okay. That was Millie Bayless. Um, I'll be posting all um, the articles that we spoke about during um, our conversation in the notes um, of our podcast. Um, just a reminder, you can find all of our episodes um, via podcast on the 3CR website and we're also on iTunes um, so please subscribe there. Um, I just want to thank Millie again for being part of the show um, and also thank you for listening. <laughs>